28 days later, there he is, working his way in, in a haze of marijuana in 1942. 38 days hiatus. Yes. It was nice to have 38 days, for the most part, most of the 38 days, I was able to wake up whenever I felt like waking up. Now, this morning, of course, I was wide awake at 5 a.m., so I woke up whenever I felt like waking up. I just happened to wake up at 5 a.m. It's nice to not have to spend your evening worrying about the alarm. You don't I agree. wake up three or four times thinking, when's the alarm going to go off? Right. Did How I set much the more alarm? time will do the I alarm got to fail sleep? me? Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. 38 days with one exception because I had to get up to drive to Pittsburgh for my physical. But other than that, and the day we drove to the beach. But other than that, and the day we drove home from the beach. Three days out of 38. <laughs> the other 35, yeah. I was able to sleep until I woke up. Even yeah. if I woke up at 5, I didn't have to worry about the damn alarm. The alarm has reentered my life probably indefinitely. From now until the next hiatus, if I live that long. Yeah, yeah, it's back. That's right. No, I heard it this morning. I was like, oh, man, that sound. I think I need to change that alarm sound like to some chirping birds or something like that. But I'm with you. I'm, I probably am around that number with you, Mike. Like out of the 38 days, I think I had to wake up a few early mornings for some some Little League baseball with Philip, right? But other than that, a few 9 o'clock starts and things like that, uh, it was great to just be able to, to be able at night just to go, wait, I got nothing on the radar, no subject I'm worried about. I don't need to do a little research here. I don't need to call or text this person because I don't know much about this. Uh, that's where the, 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 the break is great relief for the mind, body, and soul. And uh, I'm, I'm ready to be back, man. So it's good to see you. I'm glad you, you got a new shirt. You're all impressive on your no, first day back. Oh, damn. All right, fine. I don't. I've <laughs> okay, had this fine. shirt for a long time. I haven't seen I've you wear that one. Time. Okay, fine. I haven't seen you wear that one. <laughs> I'll start wearing it every week now so you get used to it. <laughs> okay. I will say this. I will say this. I can't quite share your full experience of unplugging because I continued to work yes. throughout the break. I You're just did a psycho. show in the morning. Right. I did 24 PFT we know. PMs out of 25 <laughs> available we know. weekdays. The only day I missed was the day that I... That I sang Moon River right. at a doctor's office in Pittsburgh. But here's my question for you. Yeah. How many days yeah. of the past 38 right. did you wake up with a hangover? Oh, <laughs> well. I'm over, a- under, over under is four and a half, and I'm taking the over. Well, I'm, I'm a pro now. So I'm a pro. So hangovers, it's gotten to the point now where I don't even know if I know what a hangover is after a while. I'm just like, damn, I, I don't know. Isn't this a normal morning? Um, I'll say this much uh, because I was sleeping in to what we were just talking about. So that helped hangover process. But I think right off the bat, we started the break. And I think I went the first 20 out of 21 days Going after it pretty hard. Like, yeah, you know, dipping in both a uh, little, little Mary Jane, little vodka, little Mary Jane. I went after it pretty hard the first three weeks to where after the first three weeks were over, I was like, wait, am I sick or have I just been like disgusting to myself for the last three weeks? And I kind of had to like cool it out for a few days. <laughs> I had I had only, I think, three, maybe four times where I woke up in the morning and the mindset was, did you get the license number of the truck that hit me? <laughs> Once the morning after the 4th of July, because right. we overdid it that night with frozen margaritas. Very much Good. overdid it that night Good. with frozen margaritas. And then when we went to the beach, 
We settled in Saturday night. By oh, Sunday yeah. night, it was way too much. Monday night, way too much. No, was it Sunday, Monday? Maybe there were four days. I believe I there was two nights that I got texts from you that said, I drank too much tonight through group text messages. So <laughs> I, I got to the point where I, be, I began to become concerned for the first time in my life about my liver. And that's when I decided we better, we better curtail this. And and it's been good ever since. And last night, I was on my best behavior. We had a little birthday gathering for my brother-in-law. Happy birthday to him one day late. But I was very restrained in my revelry because I knew that I had to be here and ready to go as we return from our our extended break. And and it really, I, I mean, you and I haven't seen each other. We've texted. We haven't spoken yeah. to each other on right. the phone. I don't recall. Maybe when I was drunk one night, I called you. I don't know. But we haven't seen each other since the last day that we did this together, the Thursday before the hiatus began. So it's fun for us. This first day is always it fun is good. because we're back and we're back into the groove and it takes a little while to get the juices flowing again. But before too long, it'll be like we never left. Oh. And for those of you who have been waiting patiently for us to return, you soon will be saying, God, it's like those I almost said a word I shouldn't say. Never left. Well, you guys are like family, so it, it is like I, 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 I'm the, I'm not. You're very good at keeping in touch. I am the kind of guy that you know. I mean, you know this, but yeah, when we get a break, I'm like, oh, break, and I'm like, hey, I put the phone over in the corner of the kitchen for like ten hours during the day, and then I'm like, oh, wait, it's you know, I've had a drink and a smoke, and it's like seven thirty at night. I'm like, oh, oh, damn, I had a lot of people text me today, so I'm like, I really do go off the radar to a degree for a little while. And then this last, you know, eight, 10 days, I started checking in with people a little bit here and there and starting to get back in the flow. Oh, and, I haven't heard. I haven't that. heard from you in the last <laughs> well, eight, 10 days. Yeah. No. I've had football people, not you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to slowly gear yeah. myself up. Well, I haven't had this here. itch for a while. It's <laughs> yeah. been 38 good, days. Good. I don't know what's wrong get with it, that get itch. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, usually we, we uh, like blow the first 15 minutes or so. I don't know. What else do we have to talk about? What's the most exciting thing? That you did during the last 38 days. Well, I mean, Yankees game was always as fun. I didn't do much. We stayed around here and we were kind of held. I was kind of held hostage because here's, you know, my 17 year old, as I told you before the hiatus, she became a a young woman here recently. I don't know. It's like she went from like, oh, little girl, teenager to now it's like want to go out every night, wants to have friends over, has a boyfriend. So I got all that crap going on, Mike. And then I got a psycho 12-year-old little boy who's got baseball constantly. So we were just around here in the pool doing stuff like that, little paddle boarding out in the Long Island Sound. But nothing, I can't tell you anything exciting. A few nights in New York City for some dinner with the wife. Uh, but the Yankees game might have been the best thing I did during the whole break, Mike. I've lived kind of a boring life over the last five weeks. Yeah, look, I, I, uh, I mean, we went to the beach for a full week, and that was fun. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. The other four weeks, I just I, I took it easy. I, I wanted to take it easy. I wanted to be Agreed. here, enjoy the outdoors, sit on the patio, go yeah. to the barn, spend a lot of time in the barn. Be bored. And uh, had, a, had a good right. time. Watch some movies with my kid. You know, there was a movie that we watched – on Friday night that I don't think I'd ever sat down and watched 
start to finish. And I'm disappointed with myself that it took me that long to watch it. And I actually watched it all again yesterday down in the barn. Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Oh, I know. 2009. It is good. My God, that movie! That movie is awesome. Now it's as violent as you would expect a Tarantino movie to be. Yes. But that movie is so good. The way they build the tension and the characters are so good. Brad Pitt's great. Amazing. Christoph Waltz is great. He won the Oscar for it. It's it's really really good. It and I, I'm disappointed it took me 14 years to figure that out. Yeah, well, it's, it's a different kind of movie, right? It's, it's like, uh, it, but it is, it's one of those where the more you watch it, you watch it a second, a third time, you pick up on little lines or things or mannerisms that you go, oh, my gosh, that's funny. And, uh, yeah, they are. It, there's a lot of great acting and great scenes in that movie. A little gory, but it, like, gets to the point where it's so gory, it's almost laughable. You're almost like, okay, it's not Cartoonish. even Cartoonish. Like, yeah, it, gets, not, it gets to a point where you're like, you don't even care anymore because it's not even real. But, uh, all right, that's a good one. What else? Did you do anything else with your son? Anything other? Did he try any other things that maybe you tried in Phoenix, Arizona once? or something no? no okay okay no just wanted but, to check in but that was one of the nights that that i i remember being on the verge of not remembering the evening i think that was the fourth after everybody cleared out we went down to the barn and we continued to imbibe and watched a movie and you know i i never consumed to the point where i don't remember stuff that's yeah. always terrifying to right me, right that you would actually drink so much that you can't remember what you said or did it's very important for me to always be in complete and control uh, total control of my faculties and my recollection of how those faculties were used so but we we just we, we spent we just hung out it's just nice we got some nice big leather seats down in the barn you go down there you kick them back and you just have a couple sips and light a cigar or 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 whatever and and uh you know and you just you watch a movie and have a good time it's just a great place to be in the summertime even though it's not outdoors we've got a tv that we can watch outdoors but there's just something about being in that barn that is inherently relaxing as we prepare for yeah. football season not that football season is something that i dread i just know that it is a period of very high activity we're plugged in all the time we're on a roller coaster ride that begins pretty much now and doesn't end until after the super bowl yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 we kind of, the, the good thing about this is we get to slowly rev up. It revs up here, but we kind of rev up. We go to the Hall of Fame game next week. That'll be exciting. You know, then we go, okay, hey, it's I'm a little, great. it's, it's good. It comes. And then, yeah, you're right. There I'm comes. coming. I, I, <laughs> uh, what I'm really worried about is that we're going to be staying in that hotel where I got to do origami with the, uh, the, the, the covers and the pillows and everything to make it work. That's what I'm not looking forward to. What do you to. mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? Remember that hotel we stayed about. in last year? I had a, you, you, no, it was I like 77 it. covers and I had a, they were like fit together and you had to put this one and fold that one and do this to make it work. And, like, when you have to do that much, I yeah. just want to go, man, we need to do something else. So uh, I might be complaining about that as well next week. That, I, I may have had something to do with the specific arrangements. I may have told the, uh, the, the front desk that you have unique requirements for how your bed is configured. Uh, I don't know. Okay, that's possibly okay. what happened. Right. We'll yeah. find out if it happens again next week. Yeah. Uh, I, one thing before we move on, because yeah. I've been meaning to ask you about this. We haven't communicated about it at all. Have you watched the quarterback series on Netflix? Oh. And if so, what did you think? Of? No, I have not yet. I'm, I'm about to start. No. I got. I just got done with the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, right? Which was actually pretty good. I did enjoy that. So I got um, the quarterback thing. My dad has been watching it. And he's been telling me great things about it. So I'm going to start that here. Probably t we almost started it tonight, uh, last night. I almost did. Other one is Yogi Berra. 
right? There's one out on him right now, and there's a Nolan Ryan out. So I got three little documentary series here that I'd like to watch. But, yeah, the quarterback one, I've heard some really, really good things about it. So I'm, uh, I think I'm going to jump in this week. You watched it all? Yeah, I watched it all. I thought I should have watched it all before we reconvene. Yeah, right. And we well, can talk about it. Good so student. one of us got the memo. Way to go, student. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> well, that, that fits well. You're well, a good I, student. I'm a little delinquent. I was <laughs> able to milk a few copy-paste snarky comment items. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Watching the oh, show. Oh, I saw. So. I saw. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I saw one of them. What was that? The uh, oh, Kirk Cousins, the most underrated quarterback in football by Patrick Mahomes. And Oh, man, I saw some articles there, and I pictured the wheels spinning inside Florio's head. Uh, that was funny. It made me chuckle. <laughs> when you watch the show, you'll develop a theory as to why Patrick Mahomes did that, but we won't talk about it until you watched it. I'll just leave it to you during this period of time that we waste everyone's time, including ours, before we talk about what we're going to talk about. If you want to bring something up, I'll be ready to talk about it. But, But let me just say this. I believe that the quarterback show is the best thing NFL Films has done since John Facenda. Far better than Hard Knocks. Wow. Far more revealing. Hard Knocks is just same crap, different year. Yeah. Different team, same stuff. Same stuff. We know this. We know. Okay, Liv Schreiber, we know. It's the same copy every year. It's just change the names. Change the places. There's nothing new. There's nothing that makes me say, oh, I didn't know that. But when you delve into the lives of three men who play the most important position in football and you follow them all season long, it reveals things you would have never known. And I understand most, if not all of it, is edited to make these guys look good because you got to convince a stream of guys to do it. But I think they did such a good job of presenting Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota that other quarterbacks, you won't have to twist arms to do it. Yeah. You won't need some formula right. where you have to say, oh, New York Jets, hey, too bad. You don't want to do hard knocks. You're doing it. There's going to be guys begging to be the centerpiece of the quarterback series. And it's already going to be back for next year. And I think it's going to last indefinitely. I think they found something great here. And there are a lot of great stories to tell. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Anthony Richardson. Wouldn't that be great to follow him around his rookie season? There are so many great choices. So many great choices if they're going to do it again this year. And they are. And here's the question. Will we know they're doing it? As the season unfolds, because last year, I mean, we didn't find out about this thing at all until it's like, hey, oh, by the way, right. By the way, coming up July 12, we've got this full season look at Mahomes, Cousins and Mariota. We didn't know they were doing it. I wonder if they'll tell us at some point before the season ends who the three quarterbacks are. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I could see it being a thing. I mean, it's the new era, the new world we're in, right? I, I can't imagine, you know. Guys like my dad or Troy Aikman or Joe Montana ever wanting Netflix around while they're preparing for a, a, a week in a season. But I guess with the new era of QBs and the grow up with the phone and the cameras in your face all the time, it's just nothing to these kids, which I shouldn't be shocked by. I mean, I watch my kids dance in front of a phone and do all this crazy stuff, and they're never embarrassed. They can just block it out and be themselves. And, you know, I think that's the refreshing thing about this new crop of young players we got, especially the quarterbacks. They're not afraid to show you behind the curtains a little bit. That's pretty cool. It really is, especially for somebody of the stature of, of Patrick Mahomes and the year that he had last year. And there was pressure on him and the Chiefs and to bounce back and do everything in that, to let them in and then do what he did. Uh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. The one stipulation that Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, had 
was that there be no footage of any meetings between Mahomes and Reed. So, look, you're going to have to engage in some negotiations. There's yep. going to have to be some concessions to get guys to do this. That's part of the game. It's never going to be a truly unfiltered, completely accurate look at a guy's life. But we take what we can get, and in that eight-episode series, we get a lot. And I've watched it all once, and I may go back and start watching it again just to see if I pick up some stuff that I missed. We were stuck in dead stop traffic in Virginia, short of the big Walker Mountain Tunnel, for three freaking hours on our way back from the beach. And I watched three episodes of Quarterback on Netflix while we were stuck in traffic. I almost didn't want the traffic to... To release, I wanted to sit and keep watching the show. That that's uh, what the hell was but going I, I had on. To, what was the traffic? What would they do? What happened? There was I don't know. There was a, an accident in the tunnel, and then they cleared that, and a tractor trailer broke down in the tunnel. Three hours of not moving. Yeah, and we had food. I was beginning to have to ponder how do you discreetly take care of certain things that need to be taken care of periodically throughout the course of the day. Do I go up a hill? Do I find a bottle? What do I do? But, uh, that, that never came to fruition, but, but it was quite a relief when we finally did stop somewhere after that traffic cleared, but three episodes of quarterback and onto the show. We finally go. Okay. That is about eh, 16, 17 minutes. Not bad. I thought we'd go at least 20 since the first time we've done this in a while. Okay. So, We talked about the quarterback position, the most important in football. The running back position, important in the minds of some, not important in the minds of others, specifically the people who decide how much to pay running backs. That's become, even though the dynamic has been around for years, that's what's amazing about this. We have known this for years. Running backs became interchangeable parts. Back about the time that the Seahawks overpaid Sean Alexander because they had to. We've talked about this before. We talked about it with Austin Eckler. We've been ahead of the curve and trying to find a solution for it when Eckler was trying to get traded and paid four months ago. But for some reason, and I think the occasion was last week's deadline for signing franchise tagged running backs to long-term deals, that's what really brought it to a head. That's where the crap hit the fan. And it culminated in some stuff that happened over the weekend. Let's set the table for it, though. Austin Eckler, last week on CBS Sports Radio with Zach Gell, making it clear that the running backs have had enough and it's time for them to do something about it. Here he is. From a player's aspect, we have no control of that. I have no control. So really what, who we want answers from is, is the ownership. Like, why are you doing this? What's the reasoning? Like, give us – like, they don't – you aren't interviewing them about it. Like, how many owners have you talked to about this? You know, zero. Um, and so that's who we got here. I would love to. From. I know. They ain't going to say anything either because for whatever reason, right, they got this thing going on where it's like a new trend. Um, like, oh, let's not pay these guys. I don't know. Maybe they're just testing us. Like, hey, let's see what happens. Um, but, you know, you poke the bear, you know, and, you know, you're going to make us have to do something. That's the key. Poke the bear and you make us have to do something. Now, he wants answers from ownership. You know what the answers from ownership will be? We don't know. It's not us. Yeah. We, we, <clears> we're not making these decisions. Right, right. This is driven by, because I, I asked around last week, what, what, help me understand this. I mean, we know, but I wanted to hear it from somebody who yeah. actually gets paid right. to, to make these decisions. The key term is surplus value, and it's an analytics concept. There are four positions where there's true surplus value in the NFL. Quarterback, pass rusher, receiver, and corner. That's where the best of the best are worth so much more than the average player that you pay the best of the best. Yeah. At running back, the spread's not there. The surplus 
value isn't there. There's so many guys out there right. that can do what running backs do. Supply outweighs demand. Exactly. There are too many great players at the position. Every major college has a running back who can, in theory, play in the NFL. And you go out and find guys in every round of the draft or undrafted like Austin Eckler. Exactly. He's he the example. The example of exactly. the dynamic. Right. Agreed. Uh, that was the first thing I was going to say. Austin Eckler, well, yeah, I know. I understand. We, we both have been, you know, banging the table for the running backs to get more money. But guys like, or, uh, you know, Austin Eckler, Arian Foster, you know, you can go on and on that were mid-round mid mid picks, not drafted at all, drafted in the sixth or seventh round, right, where they've had success. There's a lot of things that go into this factor, uh, you know, into this whole dynamic as far as this. You said it, inventory too much. Offenses have changed. The league has become a passing league. The offensive coordinators have found ways to make up for, oh, wait, I don't have a star running back or we don't have a great running game. Okay, well, I can work the slot receiver and get four yards here. We could throw screens. So there's a lot of ways to get around it more. You know, oh, we'll run a reverse with this guy at receiver. We'll run the speed sweep. That'll help our running game. So there's, a, there's some other angles offenses can take now. You know, rather than the traditional, wait, here Earl Campbell, here Ricky Williams, here Walter Payton, right? That's different, you know? But you look at this list right here, you got some guys that are mid-round picks, right? You know, we also have the dynamic, Mike, of what else? Quarterbacks can run now. So we can rely on the quarterback to help us out in the run game. You know, you look at the teams who rushed the best in football last year, and you go through the top 15 or so, Mike, you know, you could see a number of teams that don't have a marquee running back, but they're one of the top rushing teams in football. The Bears, yeah, I know they got Justin Fields, but it's not a marquee superstar, number one rushing team in football. The Ravens, same thing, running back by committee, right? And they were hurt last year, all their running backs, and they were still second in football. Atlanta was third in football. With who? Algier and guys that were mid-round picks, right? The Eagles, we know how good they were. You know, the Bills were up there, of course. So the Carolina Panthers, the Detroit Lions, they're all towards the top 10 or 12 without marquee superstar running backs. So that's what stinks for running backs. I feel for them. We both do. But I don't know what the solution is, and we're in a tough spot here for them and, and fighting the good fight to hope they get paid. I got some ideas that I've yeah. written at PFT, and we're working our way in that direction. The yeah. money quote from the person I spoke to last week, though, was blame analytics and Mike Shanahan. Yeah, because yeah. when you there think you back, yeah. when you think back to that system, right. what happened? Terrell Davis gets injured during the 1999 season. Orlando's Gary comes in with Bobby Brister at quarterback yeah. and has. 1,100 rushing yards right. replacing Terrell Davis. Then next year, Gary's hurt or gone. I can't even remember. Mike Anderson had 1,400 yards in that system. Kyle Shanahan, and this is the great irony. Yeah. The 49ers currently have the highest paid running back in <laughs> right? football, right. Christian McCaffrey. And in seven years as head coach of the 49ers, Shanahan has had a different leading rusher Every year, and it's never been the same guy twice. Right. right. No, I think you, you, you're spot on. I think when you start the – that started the conversation, analytics and Shanahan going, wait, if you have a good run scheme and you teach it the right way, you know, you don't have to have a superstar to always make it work, right? And then I think also the next phase of that was New England then who took over for Shanahan and started to say, hey, wait, yeah, we have Corey Dillon and we can play Smash Mouth, but – 
you know, let's start to get a bunch of guys in here and change it around a little bit and not just be one running back. And, oh, wait, hey, they're winning the Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl every year. This is what they're doing. So, hey, why are we paying our running back $12 million a year when the team that goes to the Super Bowl every year has got six running backs and they're paying them like 900000 each, right? So I think it's, a, it's, it's a, a combination of what you're saying, what I'm saying. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, there was something else I was going to add to that. But, yeah, the, either way, uh, I think you're right. That's the jump off. And I don't know if there's anything right now we can sit there to look at to go, oh, this will fix the problem. Certainly not right now with the way the CBA is, you know, set up. That, that's where I think the only thing we can look to fix it is the running backs got to make sure they stay on the mic, stay in the public, stay on the players in the locker room. And for the next CBA, maybe they can fight to change something as far as how running backs contracts are negotiated, renegotiated, and, and maybe find a solution that way. That's where my brain has been going here. Doesn't have to wait for the next CBA. Okay. That's one of the things that, that gets kind of overlooked because the CBA lasts until – into yeah, the next decade. Okay. The league and the union can come up with agreements on anything they want at any time. They did a CBA in March of 2020 and then basically redid the CBA once the pandemic infected yeah, right. and affected the entire season. You're right. So they can reach any agreement they want. I'm, I'm building toward what my ultimate recommendation okay, is. I got one I want to work my way there. All right, cool. Here's what happened. Here's what happened last week. Saquon Barkley doesn't get a long-term contract. Josh Jacobs doesn't get a long-term contract. The circumstances are very different. I don't think the Raiders were ever going to pay Josh Jacobs. I think the Raiders want to take it one year at a time. Agreed. They're very far apart in their positions. And now that that deadline has come and gone, you can't sign any of the franchise tag players to more than a one-year contract unless you signed a multi-year deal before last Monday at four. For Barkley, Barkley's a different case altogether because they tried to sign Saquon before they signed Daniel Jones. They right. wanted to sign Saquon and tag Daniel Jones. 100%. And they made Saquon a big offer. Yep. And he doesn't like it when people talk about it. And he'll put cap emojis on Twitter or X or whatever the F they call it now. But it's true. They tried to sign him. They were going to pay him 13 a year. $26 million guaranteed over the first two years. He wanted more. So they said, ah, we'll just tag you and sign Daniel Jones. And now he's screwed. And he can't get that offer back on the table. That's what happened last week. He's been trying to get that offer back on the table. They won't put it back on the table. He's pissed. He's at 10-1. And Jacobs is at 10-1. And now they have to decide whether or not they're going to show up and make their $10.1 million. But, you know, the other side of it, and we talked about it. Smartest move of the offseason. When Tony Pollard, the Cowboys running back, accepted his 10-1. Because until you do, they can yank it. And I think, Chris, eventually the Raiders are going to yank it from Jacobs. I mean, if the guy is that upset, and if the guy's talking about not showing up, but if he's not here for training camp, he's not here for the preseason, what value are we getting for our $10.1 million? Let's just keep it, and let's use Zamir Smith and whoever else we have. Let's just throw a rock and hit another running back and put that guy in our system. And that's what Josh McDaniels always did in New England anyway. Yeah. He didn't have a workhorse. I think Jacobs is at very real risk I of having just, the franchise yeah, tag removed yeah. Just before the start of the season, I, he would be the one. If you made me bet that 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 happened, or you made me go pick one where they could see maybe the the tag being rescinded, Josh Jacobs would be the one. You said it right. They got a guy in Zamir White that they drafted two years ago out of Georgia, who's a power running back and can fit that role. You know, but I will say this too. And Josh Jacobs' defense: Hey, this is a big year for the Raiders. This is a big year for Josh McDaniels. We know the bullseye, the spotlight. It's on them. 
You know, it's always on McDaniels until he proves kind of his haters wrong. You know, so so from that standpoint, that's where I feel like he, they have to be careful, you know, within the locker room and the message they're sending. And just like we heard last year from, you know, Nick Bosa, he, he, who's the best player you played against last year? Uh, Josh Jacobs. He was really good. You know, so that's where they got to be careful a little bit. But I'm with you. If there was one out there that looked at that, it would be the Josh Jacobs one. The Saquon one is a little different, like you said. It is. And he's homegrown, you know, a top five pick in the draft. We know that he's been the perfect giant in a lot of ways. He's totally embraced the culture. New York loves him, right? So that's where that one's a little bit more dicey. But where does it go? What do they do? The first thing I want to say to both of them is get to training camp and get out there. Get the damn money that's on the table right now. You don't know what could happen. Please don't do levy on Bell and sit out a year and then lose, you know, a tenth on your 40 and you're not as strong and you haven't practiced your craft and you're never the same player again. That is not an option. That cannot be done. I say this as a friend to Saquon Barkley, as a guy that I root for. I'm a Giants fan. I've met him many times. That's where I say get into camp, work, and then maybe we'll think or tinker with some ideas on how you can make life hard on the Giants. That would be my assessment, and we'll talk about this more. Go ahead, Mike. I know I've been talking too much. Right. Yeah. But his leverage is to withhold services, and they can't sign him to a multi-year deal. That's the problem with that deadline. That deadline, that sneaky little Stupid. mid-July deadline. It, and it helps the teams because now if Barkley and Jacobs are going to hold out, okay, fine, we say, Uncle, we can't give you a multi-year deal. Sorry, we'd like to, but we can't. There's nothing we can do at this point. And we went down that rabbit hole last week as deep as I possibly could go. There is no way that anyone can sign him to a multi-year deal. Can't even sign an offer sheet with a multi-year deal after the middle of July because the team has a right to match it. The team can't match a multi-year offer sheet. It's a one-year deal now. Well, let me so, ask you this. Okay, well, go ahead. Let me ask you this. Like, you're, you're, and I looked this up a little yesterday, and I didn't go too deep into it because I'm not Johnny Lawyer investigation like Mike Florio is, so I wanted to point this out to you. But can they give them more money? Can they? Because yes. what I read in the language is it just it's just a one year deal. It didn't say you had to pay him what the number Correct. is, right? So maybe that's where they got to try to find something here for for like a happy medium to make this work. Because I will say this too, Mike. Hey, the Giants, we know they're on the up and up, but Saquon is special, and I don't think he's a car crash runner to where it's going to fall off Earth here for the next year. You know, in the next year or two, and. If the Giants are going to play the same style of football they played last year, which is stay close, stay within a score, up by three, whatever, their ability to play that style of football, they had confidence in it because why? Because they went, hey, if we just stay around, one play to this guy, number 26 right here, and boom, we're in the game again. Or boom, we're winning. I was at a Dallas Cowboy Monday night game. They were getting their butts whooped. They hung around, hung around. He broke a 30-yard touchdown, and we go, oh, we got a chance here. So let's not, you know, I don't want the Giants to forget the value of this football player, but I don't know what we're going to do here to, to help him out right now. But as we've seen on this highlight right here, this is still, like we talked about with Dalvin Cook, there ain't a lot of guys at football that can go around not the edge 90 yards and go, hey, see you later, I'm going to go score a touchdown. 
Here's what the Giants and the Raiders can do at this point, if they so choose. They can offer more terms. They can offer more money. They could put an incentive package together. I suggested last night that a combination of an incentive package based upon games played, yards generated, touchdowns scored, and, and a path to free agency next year. Your old teammate Albert Hainsworth, the year you were in Tennessee, 2008, he played under the franchise tag yep. that year with a formula that gave him his freedom the next year, and That's he right. went and signed with Washington. Lance Briggs did it once. No one has ever paid a guy more than he was supposed to make, but teams at least twice have included a provision that, that came with a promise that they would not tag the player the next year. That's the leverage that Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs currently have. But you know what? The teams don't have to go along with it. But if you want the guy there and you want him ready, you know, he doesn't get more money by showing up for camp. He gets a per diem of a couple thousand a day. He makes his salary fully guaranteed. And franchise tag players can wait all the way up until week one and show up like Le'Veon Bell did in Pittsburgh the year before he sat out the full season. But you're not ready for the season if you don't show up until just before the season starts. These guys need to go have big years. But that's why Barkley – I. Barkley is upset because if he has a great year, if he has 2,000 rushing yards or something like that, just has off the charts year, they just tag him again and he gets $12 million next year, period. That There's nothing he can do without the Giants agreeing to allow him to become a free agent that will give him that incentive. That's the key. You want to give him the incentive to show up and have a big season and then maybe get free to the market yeah. in 2024. Yeah, that, that, that's right. That, that's that's where they, you know, you, you, you'd, you'd like to see that happen for Saquon Barkley's sake. You would, right? What, you know, people might ask, well, why does he need to be in training camp? Well, what, why? Well, he knows the system. He's He plays running back. Well, because the stories of guys not being there, like you just said, for throughout training camp and go, oh, I'm going to train on my own. There's a reason there's a phrase called football shape. I don't give a damn who your trainer is or whatever it is. You can go out in the field and think you're working hard or whatever. It's still not the same until you're, you know, just, oh, man, there's the fear, the adrenaline, the having to break the tackles. Oh, my gosh, this big guy's about to get me. Let me turn here. Oh, wait, this guy's holding on to me. There's nothing that can replicate that. And that's where I would say it's really important for Saquon Barkley and his sake, right? And then – I, you know, again, here's another thing I'll throw out, Mike. You know, I, I again, there, this is a, a group that has very little leverage, like you explained. But, you know, I, I want these guys to get paid. I want them to be there. All right? I'm going to lean on something that you probably don't like, but I'm just going to lean on it a little here because J.C. Treader mentioned it last week, right? Or maybe it was two weeks ago. You know, where he said, I, I don't, I can't sit here and say, you know, players should fake injuries. Oh boy, here we go. Well, I'm 34 just, minutes in, we're going to be arguing. Well, I'm not, I'm I, not arguing. That's the last position where you should fake injuries. That's the last position where you should fake injuries. Because they put the next guy in and they say, this guy's pretty good. Get rid of the guy who's faking well, the injury. Well, okay, fine. Then you're, you're healthy. You got your money and you're going to hit the free market then the next year. Okay. I saw you write that. I understand your point's real there. There's some risk to it. But, you know, is it worth the risk, too, of going, wait, you know, carries 20 through 30 where I'm really tired and my body's beat up and I might tear an ACL? Am I worth putting my body on the line there for the team that doesn't want to give me any long-term money here or anything like that? I don't know. Well, I'm not going to be mad at him. Well, I don't think the players would be that mad at him in a lot of ways. So can, he, can they find a way to maybe be there, collect their money, help the team out, but not – 
go 100% and help the team out all the time. Oh, my shoulder's a little sore, coach. I had 20 carries already. Sorry, I got to sit over here for a little while. I, I don't know. They might have to start being jerks like that, you know, to make this happen a little. I, I, and I don't like to say that, but I'm going to throw it out there. There's a line there, okay? Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm with you when you talk about a guy that has no financial security who is being expected to play while injured. The Lamar Jackson thing from last year. I would have had no problem at all if the truth was, and who knows what the truth was, that he was choosing not to play with an injured knee because he had no financial security beyond last season. I have no problem with that at all. We've talked many times about the Brandon Marshall angst that he was going through when you were with him in Denver, where you've got no security beyond this year. You're taking risks with your body. What do you do? I have no problem with the guy who was injured being reluctant to play. It becomes a problem when you're really not injured and you're pretending to be injured yeah. or you're embellishing something that really isn't right. you know, that big That's of a critical, deal. Right. And for the union, pre- and it's reckless and irresponsible, and it's a bad look for the union president to yeah. say that out loud. Even it. if he let cautions it, it with, right. I shouldn't say it publicly, but I'm, that, was, that was a bad, bad look for J.C. Treader. A bad look for J.C. Treader, and it's bad advice for running backs. Running backs should ignore what he said. Now, I'll say this. If Saquon Barkley shows up this year and gets his 10-1 and they they get to the playoffs and the window opens after the regular season ends on negotiations for a long-term deal, if I'm Saquon Barkley, what I'm saying to the Giants is, I ain't playing in the playoff game until you give me my long-term contract or you give me a promise that you're not going to tag me next year. That's when he has leverage because as soon as the regular season ends, they can do a long-term deal again. That's when the Pendulum swings back to Barkley. And, and, and I remember talking about this with Le'Veon Bell when he was with Pittsburgh. The perfect time to squeeze the Giants would be in that one-week window or two weeks if they end up getting the number one seed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take yeah. the over on that. Yeah. But in that period of time between the end of the regular season and the first playoff game, if they make it, that's the time to squeeze. Now, it makes you a villain among the fan base, but I would support him a thousand percent if he did that because that's the only real leverage he has right now. Yeah, I know. It's, that's where it stinks. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there, too. But what if they, they can't get in the playoff picture and he can't ever get to that point? You know, that's where I almost want to say, like, Josh Jacobs, Saquon, show up. You know, practice hard. Make sure your body's in shape. And then when the season starts, go, yeah, coaches, I'm on a pitch count. Sorry. I'm wait, wait. I, I ran up the middle five times on second and one already. That was it for the day. I'm sorry. My shoulder hurts now. I, I, I it's a dirty business. They might just have to start getting dirty and yeah, it's going to make some people yeah. not like you, but I don't think people in the locker room are going to be as mad at them as people may think because the people in the locker room understand the business here. They do. And they understand too, where this is where, you know, there's the human element in the locker room, especially for this, this position. Okay. Where guys in the locker room, know running backs like Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs are the freakiest guys in football. They're the freakiest guys. They could get in a fight with a defensive tackle. That's a hundred pounds heavier than them and hang in there and win. And yeah. And you'd be like, Whoa, this is like a dead heat. It's Dexter Lawrence and Saquon Barkley. And it's a dead heat. They're really, it's a great fight. Right. And then you can go, wait, now you got to go out there and, and, and race, you know, Jalen Ramsey. And you go, damn, this is a great race. He's race. So that's where there is compassion for running backs because everybody knows on these type of guys that they are the freakiest athletes out there. 
And that's where, you know, maybe they can find a way to wiggle their thread this needle that way, um, which is which is very tough to do. J.C. Treader's ultimate message was create leverage. Yeah. I don't agree with yeah. his suggestion the way he phrased it, but there are ways, Chris, you're onto something here, to create real leverage. And players do seem to be sympathetic. This is one of the things that I think has been good about it finally coming to a head this week. Uh-huh. Other players are sensitive to it. Let's listen to Giants safety Xavier McKinney on this possibility that Saquon won't be there for training camp, may not be there for games. Have a listen. Obviously, you know, we want him to be there. Um, but if he can't, you know, we understand that as well. Um, and I think, you know, that's that not just for me, but that goes for a lot of guys in our locker room. Um, so I just don't want that to be the uh, to be the narrative of, you know, if he if he decides not to come, then everybody's no, nobody's going to be mad. Um, you know, we all with him. We all respect him. We all love him. And we all know, you know, what he brings to to for our team, and we we know what he'll bring to any team as as well. So, um, and we also know how great he is in this league. So, um, that's how we approach it, and uh, we just keep it at that. This is where the obligation arises for the team to find a way to make it good, to make it right to send a message to the rest of the locker room. You mentioned it with Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. I mean, look, last year we, we were in camp. We were getting the, the vibes in Canton at the Hall of Fame game that he was kind of on the outs, yeah. that he wasn't really buying into Maybe what Josh McDaniels was selling. Right, right. But, then, but then the next thing you know, he's a captain. Yeah. They give him the C. He has a great year. That's why he's pissed. He, his attitude is, look, you didn't pick up the fifth-year option. So you forced me to go out there and prove that I'm good. I proved that I'm good, and now you won't give me a long-term deal. You use the franchise tag to hold me in place. Which one is it? You either want me or you don't. If you don't want me, let me go. So, and, and this idea that guys could be deliberately disruptive, maybe that's the path to getting the franchise tag removed. Not that there's going to be 10-1 out there for Josh Jacobs if the franchise tag gets removed right before the start of the season. But if you don't want to play for the Raiders anymore and you're willing to take whatever you can get elsewhere, that, that's part of what I'd be thinking of as a general manager, a coach, or an owner. We're paying 10-1 to a guy who's going to be a pain in the butt, a guy who's not going to go out there and play as hard as we want him to, a guy that we can't chew up and spit out after the season, a guy who's going to rally the locker room against authority. Eh, let's just let him go and let's redistribute that 10-1. So it could get Jacobs what he wants in theory, but it's not going to get him what he needs, which is a contract that pays him 10-1 this year or something significantly more on a long-term deal. No, you're, you're exactly right. It's a, it's a risky play. It is, you know, and, and then yeah, you'd have to work the back channels like you talk about where, you know, they'd, they'd have to find a team that, you know, maybe willing to, you know, give them some years to a contract or whatever else there. Uh, certainly, you know, but, but yeah, I, the, the options are limited for these guys. That's where we feel for them. And we feel for them, you know, hey, we, we know the position's brutal like we just talked about. And Josh Jacobs, he's a little bit more of a car crash runner that way. So I can understand him, too, being like, wait, no, my, my brand of football is a little different than Saquon. Saquon can break ankles and outrun people and do all that, which allows him to avoid some contacts. That's not where Josh Jacobs is. So that's where it's brutal. But, like, Mike, so this is where, like, what, what, do, what do we do here? What can we do? What can we, you know, what can we give to the 
NFL running backs to start a conversation here for our solution of what we can do to fix them? What, what, what's your you, – you got a main thing that you look at oh. that can help this situation? Oh. Here's where it's gone since last Monday. Yeah. There was a text chain that got started on Monday of last week after Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs didn't get long-term deals. It culminated in a Zoom – meeting that happened on Saturday night. We've had plenty of stories at PFT about that. Before we talk about potential solutions, okay. let's acknowledge that there will not be an easy solution. As admitted by Nick Chubb, the Browns running back, who was part of the Zoom call, even though they're in camp down at the Greenbrier and working all day, he took time. He felt compelled to be part of this call on Saturday night. Here's his assessment from Sunday as to what he believes running backs can or can't do. Uh, if they try to work together. Right now, it's just talking. You know, there's really nothing we can do. We're kind of um, we're kind of handcuffed with the situation. But I mean, I felt what I took from it. Uh, McCaffrey and Derek Henry and Saquon all had a lot of good points. But the biggest thing is that we're in a position that our production hurts us the most. You know, if we go out there and run for 2,000 yards with so many um, carries, the next year they're going to say, you know, you're probably worn down. That's the biggest thing that I took from it. It's just, I mean, it's tough. You know, we it hurts us just to go out, to go out there and do good. It hurts us at, at the end of the day. I think we're in a position that that, that matters. Like you can see receivers who have hurt, been hurt, and it's never a situation of their you know been hurt, injury, injury prone or anything. They only say that with running backs, and I don't think that's that's fair for us. What, what, what do you, why do you feel like they, they do it for you guys, but they don't do it for offensive linemen or or, or, or receivers? Because of the, um, you know, because they say we get hit every play, and we're more injury injury prone when we're all on the field doing the same thing, but only that applies to us, you know. And I mean, I would say if we're if we're taking the most risk and doing the most, then we should be valued more. See, th- there's there's threads of truth in what he's saying. Definitely, they 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 aren't injury prone. The position is prone to injury. The position, because you're getting hit from every possible angle on every part of your body, the guys who can actually hold it together and play through all of that are truly unique, like an Emmett Smith or a Marshawn Lynch found a way to keep going and going and going. The human body can only endure so much. You're, right. you're getting hit by the guys on the on the defensive line. You're getting hit by the linebackers. You get through them. You got a guy that's running at you full speed from the safety got position Harrison's or a corner coming to, across. Yeah, you got your everybody. Off. Right. You got you got to run through everybody. Right. You go through the gauntlet. On every single play. So that's part of the problem. And, you know, is there a certain element of collusion that's that's baked into this? I don't know whether it's teams decide. I don't think it's teams deciding let's screw the running backs. No, I just think right. this is the way when you have limited dollars, finite cap availability, you've got positions that become skewed by way of value and positions where you say, look, next man up is going to do almost as well as the first guy at the position. And the next man up behind that is going to do almost as well. And if we have to find somebody else, we'll find somebody else. There's plenty of guys out there that can play this position. You know, they're playing special teams. And that's usually how the lower-level running backs make their mark. They do it on special teams. They earn reps in the offense. And then they realize these guys are pretty good. Yeah. And this guy's younger. He's cheaper. He's healthier than the veteran. Right. That's how these guys are getting screwed. That is. As they get older and more expensive, teams realize – we can do this a better way. 
And there's no solution for that, Chris. That's just the way it is. No, exactly right. There, it, there is nothing you can do. And to your point of what you're saying, to follow up on that too, what happens so ti- so many times is running backs get to year five or six and, you know, oh, hey, here's a hole. You got to put your head down and smash it in there. And they're, you know, hey, thinking about business and extending my career where the guy in year one or two is going, what? It smashed my head in there? Sure, coach. Yeah, it means I can play more? Sure. And that's where, you know, they almost hurt themselves in that way, you know, as far as the next guy up. Football's a, a, a sport of three- and four-year rentals. Unfortunately, it's, it's running back positions, the only position that it really kills or hurts that way because they're getting done with the rental, and they're like, no, you're done. Where, you know, hey, receivers are in space. It's a different game like you just talked about. I used to give the ball to Cadillac Williams or Michael Pittman or Michael Allstott. And literally, I I wish people could witness what they go through running through the hole. I used to sit there and go, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. On the same play, I'd go, my neck would have broken three times there and my knee would have broke all in the same run. And he's still running this guy. Look at him. I mean, that's where it's a shame. But. Where does it get to? And what this is where this would be my 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 thing I'm going to throw out there, Mike. That I'd love to see the NFL maybe dive into. Let's keep the conversation running backs. Let's keep the pressure on something where an NFL running back in his rookie contract can become a free agent whenever he whenever he decides. Oh wait, it's year two. I had a great year. I want to be a free agent. And he gets to be a free agent, and the team gets the right to match the free agent contract that's maybe given out them, them that way. Something along those lines, Mike. Or running back can become a free agent after year one, and then the team gets to match. But it's, I'm thinking something like that to be fair to the running back position. The NFL would never agree to that. No, and see, here's the not. here's the other problem. Yeah, as it relates to any potential fix for this. Yeah. The union has an inherent conflict of interest because the union is responsible for all players. There should be a separate bargaining unit for running backs. They tried to do it four years ago. It never went anywhere. The running backs have unique needs, and every position has unique needs. And here's this is what brings it into focus. Anything that the union would decide to do to go to the bargaining table and negotiate with the league on some change to enhance things for running backs, let's say a quicker path to free agency. First of all, the league's going to say, no, 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 we're not doing that. Then the league's going to say, okay, maybe we would consider doing it. What's in it for us? What are you giving us at the bargaining table to get this to balance out? Because that's how it works. And you guys wanted to be unionized, so this is the game when you're unionized. We're even right now. We're assuming that everything is level. So if you want something that makes it go like this, you need to give us something that makes it come back like this. So you want running backs, quicker path to free agency. What do we get? And the problem is, Chris, the stuff the NFL would get affects other players. That's the problem. You make a concession that affects other players. So other players are like, well, why the hell are we giving up rights or whatever it may be, giving up part of our what, whatever, anything you give up? Yeah. Why are we being hurt? Because you're trying to help the running backs. That's where you quickly get into a situation where it's the dog just chasing his tail, and that's why there's no solution. And the union won't admit it, but the union is hopelessly conflicted on this. Now, individual players go out and create leverage. That's fine. But still, every dollar that a running back is getting more than what he was supposed to get is one less dollar that's available for the rest of the team. But it's easier to process one player creating leverage for himself versus an entire position. That's the problem. And that's why I don't want you to abandon the best idea that I've heard. And others have taken your idea and others are being 
tied to your idea, and it was your idea, not anybody else's. Thank you. And I know others are talking about it, and others are getting credit for it. It's Chris's idea from when Austin Eckler first became an issue four months ago. A pool of money available league-wide, not part of the salary cap, a separate pot of money that pays running backs for games played, yards gained, touchdowns scored, every objective indicator that you could use to fairly pay the guy as he goes. Because the problem is you're having your big season, second year of your career, and you're getting minimum salary. Right, 800,000, right. And by and by the time, and if you're a first round pick, well, by the time you get to the open market, you're 28 years old. Yeah. Because they use the fifth round option, like they did with Saquon. Then they tag you once, they tag you twice if they want to, and then it's see you later. Go, good luck getting a big contract when you're 28 and you've had a torn ACL and you've got no cartilage in the other knee and you broke this ankle and you got this rib issue and you got a neck that may or may not be degenerative. I, I, so that and that is the best solution. That is the only Thank practical you. solution. Thank you. Now, here's how they get it. Here's how they get it. This is their only chance. And and running backs, I'm talking to each and every one of you out there. Every one of you. Here's what you need to do. You need to say right now, today, you need to come together and say, hey, NFL, next year, off-season program, none of us are going to be there. Just be aware now. Be aware now. None of us are going to be there. And we're going to spend the next six months making sure not a single running back attends OTAs or any stage of the voluntary offseason program. We're not going to be there. Good luck having offseason practices and getting your playbook in place for the, for the season with no running backs. And don't, don't think you're going to move a receiver to running back because they're on board with this too. They're not playing running back. They're yeah, not running backs. Right. You're going to have no running backs for your offseason program. Chew on that and think about what you want to do to keep that from happening. Now, Chris... Easier said than done, because there's always going to be guys who are opportunistic and thinking to themselves. Yep. There's going to be guys who get drafted. Yeah, there's right going to be he's... undrafted free agents, yep. and they're going to say, hey, this is my chance to make the roster. This is my chance. That's why they need to start now, and they need to use their collective will and come together and say, hey, NFL, all you teams out there, you're not going to have an offseason program next year because you're not going to have running backs unless you deal with us now. Deal with us now and give us this pool of money that rewards players based upon what they do on the field. That is the only way to be fair. That's the only solution that works. It's not perfect, but I think it's the only one that works. Yeah, I, I, I like where you're, you're headed there. I do. I, I could rally behind that. You know, and I think, too, to your point, like, yeah, you might have some draft picks or guys that aren't drafted that, okay, yeah, they're there. But I think that this can become a story that's so big that the top running backs coming out in next year's draft – that's where Saquon's of the world and, and Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey would call them and be like, hey, they, they, we, we need you to be a part of this fight. We need you for, for your own future, for the next running back in line and all that. You know, Hopefully that's a possibility. So we've discussed there. That's a way to get them a little bit. Let's get into camp, Saquon and Josh Jacobs. And if you've got to play hardball and put yourself on a, on a pitch count and Brian Dayball and Josh McDaniels are mad at you because you said, eh, nope, I've had enough carries here, then so be it. That's all right. It's a grown man sport. They're going to get it, and you got the backing of the locker room. But I, I know it's unfortunate. I'm glad we've got to unpack some of this stuff here. This is the key, though. It's collective action. It is an unofficial strike. 
It's something that Demora Smith, the outgoing NFLPA executive director, has been advocating for for a long time, but players just won't do it. Players are wired to be at football practice. They players are. understand, hey, if I'm not there, my replacement may prove to the coach that he can do the job and he's cheaper than me and he's younger than me. That dynamic gets used against the players. Having 90 guys on the roster gets used against the players because you got 90 guys to pick from. Yeah. So what if half of them don't show up? The other half are here. We got more than enough to develop and they get the reps and maybe we will go with the guy who's making the minimum salary instead of the guy who's supposed to make $10 million. But that's why it's critical. That's why it's critical. For the running back, you, you want leadership – Austin Eckler is the guy who's leading the charge on this. Whether it's him, whether it's Christian McCaffrey, whoever it is, somebody's got to stand up and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to reach out to every single running back, and we're going to get commitment from them that they're not going to be at the offseason program next year. And if they refuse to commit, then we're going to do, we're going to do what we have to do to pressure them. Not, not anything that would cross the line, but there's ways to pressure guys, ostracize guys, legitimately bother and pester guys to get them to finally agree. And then you got to get the agents to separately come together. My understanding is that's the next step in this, getting the agents who represent the top running backs to work together more, yeah, right. to strategize together right. more, to get more for the players. But you get all the agents on board with it because ultimately the players listen to their agents. And virtually every player is represented. Some aren't, but most are. You get all those agents to commit now. Any guy that you, you represent in the draft next year, whether he's drafted or not, he gets signed, he's not going to be at the offseason program. We got to hold together on this. We got to make a threat that can morph into a promise. And that next year, if they don't take care of this, we're not going to be there. And then they'll have to take care of it. That is your only way, running backs. You want a solution, that's your solution. Nothing else works. Faking injuries isn't going to work. None of this other stuff is going to work. What's going to work is coming together and telling the NFL you're not you're going to have a, a meaningless offseason program next year unless you find a way to treat all of us more fairly now. All right. Uh, almost a full hour on our first day back. When we return, though, an important issue regarding a player who was sufficiently unhappy with his current contract that he did not show up, unpacking the Chris Jones holdout when PFT Live continues right after this.